everyone, and welcome to the Life and Ministry Podcast, where we seek to have honest conversations about everyday life and the church. In today's episode, Matt, Chandler, and Paul are discussing how you balance being a Christian and an American and how that should be reflected in the church. This conversation has been split up into two different episodes given the depth of the topic, and so today you'll be listening to the first half. We would love for you to join in on the conversation with us. If you have any additional thoughts or questions after today's episode, be sure to follow and message us on Instagram at The Life and Ministry. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Chandler. And I'm Matt. And I'm Paul. And this is the fifth episode of the Life and Ministry podcast. Maddie, Paulie, how we doing? Okay, guys, last week, I dropped a bomb on you, right? I got Dano my fish in a fish tank. <laughs> I forgot about him. Please tell me he died. No, he is still alive. <laughs> he is currently hiding under a ship that I bought for him in his cage. Oh my gosh. Not his cage, in his tank. And you know what? I figured he was a little bit lonely. And so I Googled what kind of fish can live with a beta. And guppies came up. And so I bought three guppies that are in the cage God, the tank with him. No way. In his cage. You know what? He's not meant to be there, but he's going to be there now. Has he Has he tried to fight them yet? Okay, guys, listen. I He killed one of the guppies. He hasn't killed them yet, but I'm oh. trying to trust Google here and doing my research. One of the guppies' little back fins has a piece missing from it. So. <laughs> I've seen them kind of get chased around, and but there's three of them. It's like a pack. It's like the Three Amigos. It's like the Life and Ministry podcast. So I figured they could be together. They could be strong, and and withstand the attacks from my beta fish Dano. I don't, I don't. Here's here's one of the issues that I'm having right now. I don't think you really understand the like aquarium aquatic terminology here. You keep calling your aquarium a cage, <laughs> and you're saying that guppies run in a pack. <laughs> they, okay, sorry. A school of fish. Whatever. Look here, guys. I want you guys to see. He said he has a school of guppies. Oh my gosh. Oh, they're kind of small. They're yeah. cute. Man, Daniel's going to tear those things up. Can you, can you what are their names? I don't know. So I was thinking that we could ask the listeners of the Life and Ministry podcast family to shoot us some names so we can name the fish. Because I, I really don't know what to name them. And also, side note, they all look exactly the same. So there isn't anything that's like, oh, this one is orange. This one is red. You have to put, no. you have to put marks on them. You have to put marks on them like Michael Scott did with the waitresses. <laughs> yeah, like a little marker on their arm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, think, uh, I think we should name them after different seasonings, but we can let the listeners decide. Yeah, like after. we could name one like McCormick's, Dano's, <laughs> something like that. I'm really surprised that you that you have fish still, and you went and bought more. That's pretty. I bought three more. You know, I googled uh, or went to PetSmart's uh, website. They were like two dollars each, so like I had to do it. You know, so is it is it weird having like a a pet that you also eat? Like you have fish, but you also eat fish. I'm not. I'm not eating these fish. Right. But I'm just saying, like, is it weird to like think about that? Like I have a chicken and every time it gets up on the grill, I always think, man, that's weird. Like I eat other chickens, not you, but okay. I eat other chickens. So your chickens, Chandler, like, it's only one ever, chicken. 
to be clear, okay. because okay. the other one ended up being a rooster. We didn't know it at the time. It started cockadoodle doing, yes. you know, every morning at like 6 a.m. So we had to get rid of him. I won't tell you what we did with him, but we had to get rid of him. I'm Anyways. just saying, would you ever consider actually eating your chicken? No way. But when we were getting rid of the rooster, like I remember some people were asking me because I was asking like, hey, how do we get rid of this rooster in like a humane way? <laughs> and I remember people saying like, hey, for real, like I'll take it and cook it. And I was like, <laughs> at first I was like, that makes me feel kind of weird. But I was like, as long as I'm not the one that has to like wring the chicken's neck, pluck its feathers and stick it in a pot of boiling water. You make it like, sound so terrible. I think that's what happened. <laughs> And what? I'm like, if I don't have to be the person to do that, then you can take the chicken. Just don't tell me about it. Don't video it. And that's fine. Okay. Chandler, is this the first animal that you've had to get rid of? <laughs> We're not going there. No, it's not. <laughs> because uh, we, we don't have to go there. I, 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 I have rehomed a dog before. But Matt, if you really want to get there, tell me what you did with that cat or that dog that one time. It was a cat. Okay. Yeah. You we, want to talk about the cat? Yeah, sure. I will tell everybody about the cat. Okay, look, tell us about the we cat. We were in actual quarantine right after coming back from Spain. So look, everyone's kind of, even ourselves have referred to this past several months as quarantine. It's not quarantine. We're just, it's not even a stay at home order anymore. But when we got back from Spain, we actually had to stay at home for two weeks because we didn't know if we had Corona or what. A cat was bothering us in our front yard and just kept coming back and back. And my dogs are going nuts and they're barking and they're yapping and they're annoying. And it's like, all right, I got to get rid of this cat. So the first time I go and I pick up the cat and I take it down the street and just like drop it on the ground. Well, like set it on the ground. And then, <laughs> and then I walk back to my house. The next day I, I come back. I threw it on the ground. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we uh, went to walk the dogs uh, the next day. And, the, and Hannah forgot to close the door from our house to the garage. So the cat literally walks into our garage and gets in our house and is underneath the bed in the guest room. Oh, no. no it's freaking gross. And yes, it's a stray cat. I have no no tags, nothing. It's a stinky, nasty looking cat. I don't <laughs> like cats. And it's a black cat. So it's like one of those like bad omens. You know what I'm saying? They're bad luck. It's like a witch. <laughs> and so I crawl under the bed and pull it out. And then put it in my car, drive several neighborhoods over, literally drive by cat drop-offs, slow the car down, don't come to a complete stop yet, set the cat down, and drive off. Oh, my gosh. What did you tell people on Instagram that you did with the cat, though? <laughs> that That's exactly what I did. Oh, okay. Oh, my that's gosh. Fine. Yeah, that, so the dog that we had, it we had rescued a dog. It didn't really work out. So we rehomed the dog. Uh, and took it to like a no kill shelter. Here's what's crazy is I know that the dog, and I think I've told you guys this, I know that the dog ended up okay because when we, when we rehomed the dog, he got like readopted because somehow I took this thing like an hour. I'm sorry. I took the dog an hour. Away. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Matt need to work on our, on our animal terminology here. I, I took the dog like an, it was like 30 minutes, an hour away somewhere. And dropped it off. Oh, I didn't drop it off. I, I I put it like back up for adoption or whatever. Anyways, I swear to you, when Caitlin, she took a video of it. When Caitlin was driving home one day, she sees like this older lady walking this dog, y'all. Yes. And and Ruth, our dog, was out was like looking out the window and she was barking. And the the dog that we rehomed was like looking back, almost like he like recognized like Ruth. 
So it was the same dog, y'all, for real. That's Pretty cool, crazy. though. That's a that's actually a good story. See, I don't that's know what story. happened like, to the cat that I got. You have no idea what happened. No clue. Zero <laughs> idea what happened to that. You cat. just dropped him off on the side of the road. You just knew you didn't want him. It in was your in house. a neighborhood, so maybe someone maybe someone found him. You'd like her. to think. I don't know if it was a boy or girl. <laughs> so, Paul, Paul, have you ever had a situation like that? Or no, ever- I've been. As you guys are talking about this, I've been trying to think. I mean, the the biggest thing I can remember, which I think I said on the podcast last week, is I forgot to give water to some hermit crabs and they died. But I, yeah. I'm not big on on you know returning animals or, or leaving them in <laughs> the just, wild. Yeah, you just don't give them water and let them die in your house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's better. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm left out of this one. I, I can't remember a time that um that note that I just released a dog into the wild, but um. Well, hey, I guess this is a good time to to go ahead and transition into our topic. And so for today, um, obviously, there, for those of you who are on social media, any kind of social media or pay attention to any kind of news, you see that there's a lot of kind of craziness going on us going on around us right now. Um, there's a lot of tension, um, a lot of political things going on, um, conversations in churches um, about these things as well. And so for the podcast today, I thought it'd be cool for us to kind of talk about um, how you balance being a Christian um, with being an American, um, with being an American involved in politics, um, or how you may see politics, um, how you balance this with being a Christian. So, so I don't know if we have, um, anything specific that we want to start with that. I think we, we have a few different thoughts that we want to go into, but Matt, um, I I was curious kind of, kind of what you, you have to say about this. Yeah. I think what prompted a lot of this is the quote that, Vice President Mike Pence made at the Republican National Convention recently, where he kind of does this thing. And it's obviously he's he's trying to speak to uh, Christians and particular evangelicals because evangelical Christians, you know, 80 percent or so are going to vote Republican, probably regardless of the candidate, obviously, regardless of the candidate. And um, he makes a reference where he's quoting Hebrews chapter 12 and just he says something along the line, and I think Chandler will be able to pull up the, the quote in full, but he just says, and let us fix, let us run the race that's been set before us, and let's fix our eyes on old glory. And so we know that from that scripture that it's really let us set our eyes on the author and perfecter of our face, Jesus. He later says that, but first makes a reference to let us fix our eyes in the middle of running this race that's been set before us, let's fix our eyes on America, on the flag. And that really um, got a lot of people kind of fired up. Um, and I think rightfully so, because you're starting to mix scripture and politics in an unhealthy way and kind of marrying them together instead of letting um, scripture like kind of lead you and be your filter into how you do politics. Yeah, no, for sure. I actually, for our listeners who haven't seen or heard that quote, I have the exact quote. I can read it right here for you, Matt. Um, It says, let's run the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on old glory. Um, I feel weird reading this. Sorry. (laughs) Let's fix our eyes on old glory and all she represents. Let's fix our eyes on this land of heroes and let their courage inspire. Let's fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith and freedom. And never forget that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That means freedom always wins. And that should be extremely uncomfortable to read, like you just said. And that should be a major, major red flag for any Christian that hears that, right? 
Yeah, I, I I agree with you, but let's like kind of play devil's advocate because we probably the three of us probably agree with that. It feels weird to like read something that we've probably quoted a thousand times in that kind of language. Probably sure. comes off this cross to us as like ah, that sounds kind of weird. Let's throw up a red flag. So yep. the three of us probably agree with that, but let's kind of play devil's advocate because there's legitimately like on on social media right now, y'all saw it. Is like there are people who think like no, that there's not a problem with that, and then there are people who would say kind of like us, like hey. I don't know. That like is probably not how that should have been handled or not how it should have been said. Why, why do you think on both ends? Like, why are there some people who do you think that say, Hey, no, that's a problem and that's not okay. And then there's some people who say like genuinely like believers who are like, no, like that's fine. There's nothing wrong with what he said. Yeah. Let's just first clarify too, that this isn't the first time that a political person has used scripture in that way. I, I think JFK and others. So JFK, a Democrat, so it's not just a Republican thing here, um, has called America a city on a hill. So referencing, mm-hmm. you know, um, what Jesus calls his followers in Matthew chapter five. So uh, it, this isn't just a we're not attacking one particular side with this. I don't care who said it. If you're a politician and you're talking like this, it's it's a little problematic. But I think a lot of reasons why people are OK with this is because of the rich Christian history throughout our country and um, how friendly our country has been towards Christians. I also think that people, especially I think that um, uh, are involved in churches and things that way, uh, they see, unfortunately, they see the word Republican and they immediately think Christian. And so everything that they say is automatically valid. Um yeah. And we're kind of seeing like the extremes of that play out in the past several years. Um, but I, I would say too, the history, I think is the biggest thing, at least from my perspective, the history of how, cause you don't want to call American a Christian nation, right? Cause it's not, there's freedom of religion, all sorts of things that way. But I think that because we have a history of Christianity being the dominant and still is the dominant religion in our country, sure. I think that's why people are accepting of that kind of language. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, another thing I think of, I guess, is is for me, I think a lot of it is a, is a really bad theology and I guess a really bad understanding um, of, of like where you should find your identity or allegiance. I guess a lot of what I think of is allegiance um, of just like, because I think on one end, if you're really not paying attention to what he said, or if you're really not thinking about it, it could be easy to say, oh, cool, a politician is quoting scripture. Wow, yeah. you know, that that makes me feel good that my politician is also aware of scripture and he's using Christian language and he's using the Bible in politics. Like that sounds like a good thing if you just say it like that. Mm. Um, but I think I think it's just it's it's really hard um as as a Christian, I think, to to not to, to think of America as first is just very, to me, non-Christian. And and to think of of America as the most important thing to you. For, for me, a lot of what I think about, I was thinking about it this week. I think I think what, what's hard for me is um, a lot of, I guess, what being a Christian is, is what you have your allegiance to, right? Where you find your hope in and kind of what you see as your mission in life. And, and for a lot of for a lot of, I guess, politicians and for people who, who look to politics for these kinds of things, they, they can kind of mix up where their hope is and what they see as their mission in life. Um, maybe they see their hope as, hey, if every political office was taken up by X party, wherever you want to fill that in with, 
um, man, this country would be great. Like all our issues would go away <laughs> if there was no Democratic judges or there was no Republican president or there was right. no, our Supreme Court was all this. Like, I feel like some people genuinely, genuinely have a hope that that would fix things. And I feel like a lot of people will have a mission of, um, hey, I just want to make you know, Democrats look as stupid as possible, or I want to make Republicans look like the biggest jerks as I can. And if I can do that, then I'm doing a good job. And um, I, I just feel like for me, what my mind goes to goes back to, I don't know, I'm talking for a long time, but I guess I just go back to thinking of allegiance. And it's like, man, where, where are your first thoughts at though? Are, are you thinking first about the Bible, about Christ, about the kingdom, about following Jesus? Or are you thinking about, um, you know, hey, how how the government can bring about peace in my life or good things around me. Right. And it and it seems like, you know, these types of conversations always come up at an election an election year, you know, and it makes things like a little bit more complicated because the question is, is like, OK, so where in the midst of even like what you two just talked about, like, where does the church slide in there, you know, in, in like a, in a hostile politically driven culture right now it's like well how does the church slide in there and i like that uh i'm gonna read you guys this tweet uh that i saw earlier this week it was kind of around the same time but uh he said just to be clear and then you guys can give me your thoughts on this he says just to be clear the united states is not heaven the republican party is not the church and you could slide the republican party the democratic party is not the church the rnc is not a gospel-centered gathering president Donald Trump is not a Christ-like figure. Being a Trump supporter does not make you a true Christian. And then I saw another tweet. So this is a different one. He said, politicians are not Messiah figures. And like both of these are pretty prominent people that said this in, in the faith. And I, and I think like in a general sense, at least the people that I follow, like believers, whether that be like they support uh, Democratic politicians or Republican politicians, it doesn't matter. There needs to be like, I think where the church kind of slides in there is like, kind of what you're talking about, Paul, it has to do with allegiance. Like our allegiance is not to the flag. Our allegiance is not to the United States. Our allegiance is to Christ. And I think that somewhere, and I don't know why, because when I say that, that sounds so simple, but I know I'm sure, and that's okay, that we have probably listeners who hear that and they like, doesn't sit well with them. But to me, in my brain, that sounds so simple. Our allegiance is not to a political party, uh, to the to the flag or anything like that, you know, our allegiance is to is to Christ. To me, it sounds simple, but I know, you know, some people might not think it's that simple. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it's not that simple. I think that that first tweet you read, um, what, can you read the last part again about um, voting? Is it say something about voting Republican does not make you a true Christian or something like that? No, he just said be like being a Trump supporter does being not a make Trump you supporter. a true Christian. Okay. Yeah, and so here's here's part of why I think he said that. Um, so John MacArthur, most people know who that is. He's a pastor in California. Recently, um, he's really popular. He has a lot of books and commentaries and all that stuff. Um, he's he's fairly con- he's very conservative theologically, very conservative politically, um, and he's gotten some notoriety recently because he's defying the orders in California and continuing to meet. Um, as a church anyway, um, without social distancing, without masks, without any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he he did an interview recently and he said, um, quote, any real true believer ha- will support Donald Trump. And so <laughs> not, I, I did not see that. That's crazy. Right. So I think that some of these tweets that we're seeing some like people who who don't really speak about politics a whole lot on Twitter, like some of these popular evangelical authors and pastors are starting to say stuff like what you just said, because 
you've got guys like John MacArthur, a well-respected conservative um, pastor who's saying stuff like, basically, if you're not voting for Trump or supporting Trump, you're not a Christian. And, right. and that kind of language is really problematic because it really does reveal where his allegiance is. And, and I think that, and that's dangerous because as pastors and church leaders and church staff members and group leaders and all those people, like we're shepherds and like we lead our people. So for him to say something like that is so polarizing and mm-hmm. like his people listen to that and they, cause they struggle to think for themselves on some of those things. And so they're looking, they're, they're at the church, they're looking for some kind of guidance. And when he says something like that, it's like people listen to that and take that seriously and take that as gospel, you know? No, for sure. Uh, let me let me read the full quote from John MacArthur real quick. Um, he's in this um, interview and he's talking about how uh, on a Sunday after service, Donald Trump talked to him and he talked on the phone. Uh, this is John MacArthur speaking. He said he called me after the Sunday morning service and he was very gracious and said, I just want to thank you for taking a stand. Church is essential and I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. And then we talked a little bit about why, from certainly a biblical standpoint, Christians could not vote Democratic, uh, MacArthur said, because there's no way that a Christian can affirm the slaughter of babies, homosexual activity, homosexual marriage, or any kind of gross immorality. No way could we could stand behind a candidate who was affirming transgender behavior, which, of course, is really the reprobate mind of Romans 1. Hmm. So don't you see how by uh, this kind of fear mongering kind of like painting a really broad brush about a whole entire group of people uh, is just really dangerous leadership and really problematic for, like you said, a pastor who's a shepherd, like to be doing and saying something like this on a national level. Yeah. And and I just think, I don't know. The problem is, is the church like adding to the polarization that already exists in our current culture and political climate. Does that make sense? It's like, I don't know. To me, that's like part of the issue is like, we don't need additional polarization. Like we just don't need that. And so somewhere in there, the church, I don't want to say like the church has to play this middle ground and can't take, you know, firm stances on certain issues and this, that, and the other. That's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm not saying that they should just like sit on the fence and just hang out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They can stand up where they feel like they need to stand up. But I think like, man, just to add to the political polarization that already exists in our, um, in our country is, is ultimately probably an issue. And I would say there's probably a line there, you know, of like, you know, how much like should a church engage in politics? Should they not engage in politics? Should they talk about politics from the stage? Should they not? You know, those types of things. Those are all like real questions that hey, we probably I love have line answers. questions. <laughs> what did you say? To, I said, I love trying to draw the line. I love line questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can go ahead and draw the line then. Let us know. Where, <laughs> yeah. Let us know when you find the line. No, I think, no, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I think what, what bothers me a lot and when I think about, and I mean, going back to what I say about allegiance is like, if you truly find your allegiance in Christ and you are truly following Christ with everything that you have, then you recognize that there is no government and there is like no, no, no political figure that you could follow that you should agree with like a hundred percent on everything or that they are a hundred percent doing everything. Like you have to recognize whether you're Republican or Democrat or part of um, another country's government, whatever that you, you can't seriously expect um that you're going to find someone that agrees with everything. And so I guess what bothers me most about that quote that you read, Matt was for me, 
listening to that, um, it makes me assume, okay, so if he's right, well, then that means everything the Republican Party is doing must be so biblical. Like, that's what it makes me think. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So he pointed out that the Democrats believe in do things that are sinful. Well, the Republicans must not be. Like, that's kind of what it assumes. Right. And I think that's what bothers me the most about it. Yeah, for sure. That's, I think that's been um, a really troubling thing that I've had to wrestle with when hearing people like him speak about things. And um, someone like him uh, is willing to call out very valid concerns with a particular political party, but is unwilling to critique the one that he, you know, supports. Yes. And that and, is an issue. Yes. I saw issue. somebody, I saw somebody tweet, uh, also, which maybe, maybe we should stop getting our sources from Twitter, but, <laughs> but I saw somebody tweet earlier, but that's where the conversation is happening right now. You know, Very it's true. like, they were saying like, Oh yeah, well, like Republicans are going to talk about, um, abortion all day long and that's fine. And like, we should care about that and we should, you know, like we should care about those things. But then like, on the other hand, it's like, well, but maybe they're not talking about immigration as much as they should, you know, and there's somebody who has a heart for immigration or orphan care, you know, some of those things that like maybe isn't as much reflected in one particular party or the other. And so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it is uh, just complicated issues. You know, you got both sides attacking one another and uh, really what it kind of reveals when you uh, choose one side and totally vilify the other and never try to seek middle ground, never try to find, um, you know, the both and part of what's being said on, on both sides is it really kind of reveals like where your allegiance is, right? Where your allegiance is more to a party, it's more towards um, a, one single particular issue instead of maybe what's best for the whole. Uh, and I think that's where Christians maybe are kind of at a crossroads on like what they need to do. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's, that's, it's kind of like, use the word allegiance again and it's kind of even what i what i said earlier about what we find our hope in and what we see our mission as you know like like i i can really care about a political issue or i could really love a certain politician or a certain political idea but like at the end of the day like what i'm pushing for is that i'm trying to be kingdom minded and trying to do things the way that i think the kingdom of god should do them and so um i think what's hard is when that allegiance gets blurred in some people's eyes as well i want the government to be the kingdom of god and i want the government to look like they want the government to be doing things and looking the way that the church should be and doing things that the church should be doing yeah you make a a good point there paul and i think what we are seeing happen and we talked about it a little bit on the podcast last week is that christians are hoping that maybe the government will take care of a lot of issues get our economy right get jobs for people all that kind of stuff instead of doing what the church is called to do and that's you know taking care of and loving our neighbors and you know helping the poor and helping those who are in our community and when we start to make it solely the government's job to do that and kind of take a step back then that's when we have some major issues and that's not to say that the government doesn't have a job or a role to play in that so i do think that the government can certainly help better the lives of other people. Um, and I think that when the church kind of partners alongside that, and you see several organizations doing that, then there can be a lot more done. And, and that's why I love um, uh, the AND campaign and what they're kind of advocating for, and that politics can be um, a way to love your neighbor. It, it is mm-hmm. a way to get the most good to people at times in certain situations if done properly. And so we don't disconnect totally from politics and say, I you know what? They can't do anything. We need to disband the government and just the church do everything. 
is the, the government has resources um, that the local church just doesn't have as far as uh, infrastructure and things like that. And so when they kind of partner together in certain ways, I think a lot can get done. So, yeah, when you make the government the only source of hope, then you're mm-hmm. failing to be the church of Jesus Christ. And I think that that's the key. And you kind of touched on it. And I was going to mention that as well, is that it's like, and you did a good job in prefacing that if when you make the government the only or the sole focus, like that's right. where I think that we mess up. And here's the problem. I don't know if y'all agree with this or not, but I think that line gets really blurry for a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier maybe for the three of us to say, and it's maybe easy, not just for the three of us, but it's easy to say on the front end, yeah, like the government isn't the sole focus. Like our sole focus is Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But and I think our our people would say that too. There's a lot of church uh, or there's a lot of believers that would say that uh, as well. But like those lines get so blurry because all we consume is like political banter, political podcasts, political media. Like when that's all we consume, all we're all we're constantly thinking about is the political wins that we could have. And Caitlin had mentioned this to me before, and I'm glad that you brought this up as well, Matt. She had talked a lot about how to me before about how there's a lot of gospel wins in in uh, in legislation, in politics. And so when we vote and like do those things, like those are really important. So they've got kind of two ends of the spectrum, right? Or really three. You got the people who are like, hey, Jesus Christ only, church only. I'm going to be 100% out of politics. I'm not even going to touch this with a 60-foot pole. You know what I mean? You got those right, people. Right. And then you got people in the middle who kind of maybe we would say have a little bit of more of a healthy respect for uh, in like what y'all are saying is like the allegiance side. And they really kind of understand that a little bit better. And then you got the flip side where it's like people maybe even without knowing are solely focused on like politics and government and legislation. And I think that's at that, when we get to that point, man, I think that that's where we kind of lose sight of like, Hey, that allegiance stuff that y'all are talking about. For sure. And you want to know like a good indicator of like where your allegiance lies is like, take a step back and examine what you vilify and what you celebrate. Hmm. And and what I've really seen happen uh, recently is so like Jerry Falwell Jr. has kind of been, he's the former president, I guess, technically of Liberty University. Yeah. So he's not there anymore. Um, He's kind of been forced to resign over some scandal, uh, several different things. And in the way that I saw more progressive Christians on Twitter celebrate the downfall of him was like really disheartening because I was like, man, guys, like, the message of Jesus is grace, 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 grace. And and we're sitting here having zero grace for someone. And I know he caused so much harm for people there. But we but shouldn't the, be celebrating that, right? right. So don't celebrate that. That's a good perspective to yeah, have for sure. That, that's not something to celebrate. And then on, on the flip side is like, when you only vilify the other side, then you're probably only allegiant or your allegiance is lying into one particular person or one particular group or party. And mm-hmm. that is, that's really problematic and it's not helpful for the kingdom. Yeah, for sure. That, that totally makes sense. And I think that that's like a good gut check. And I feel like that that's a good practical measure too. And and social media drives a lot of our response to that too, right? 100%. It's like when we, yeah, because that's so true. Even myself, like kind of, I, I found myself like get caught up in that. So I appreciate you saying that. That's actually a really good heart check there. So let me ask this question to you guys. So we've talked a lot about um, the political side and like what we kind of think is uh, an appropriate view of that and our allegiance and stuff like that. But, you know, Paul's favorite conversation, where's the line and like, what yeah. should the church maybe speak into? What shouldn't they speak into? And I'll just throw out a couple of things for uh, you guys. And maybe one of them will latch and you can kind of respond to it. <laughs> but it's like, sh- is there room for like, 
somebody to be on stage and talk about politics at all? Should we talk about voting? Should we, and this has happened, should we invite Mike Pence to come speak at it on a Sunday? Should we have flags? Should we sing the national anthem in the church? It, should we wear political attire, like whatever that may look like, you know? And so mm-hmm. what's the the line there in terms of like, what role should the church be playing in politics? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those are some really fun questions to talk about. I don't know if we'll have, I just uh, threw probably. a bunch out there for you. Paul. Here yeah, it is. There it is. That's, that's a bunch of fun line questions for me. Those are my favorite. Um, okay. So I'll start off with, this is a really annoying answer. I don't think I have the answer and this may not be a line, but I'll start off with sometimes it's easier to point out what for sure is not like the healthy line, you know, um, than what the actual line is. Um, so I think for me, I know one of the questions you asked is like talking about politics from stage. Um, Hold on. Is what you're about to do give us the answer to what's not like a healthy thing? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. But, but also what is a healthy thing? Because that's okay. what you want to talk about, right? More what is a healthy thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just said sometimes it's easier to say what shouldn't happen. So I'm wondering yeah. what those things are. <laughs> okay. So for instance, um, I have seen churches. I won't use names. I have seen churches that do sermon series such as the four F's in freedom. Um, and like their background on their verses. Like, you know how you have a like a template. I don't know what you're talking about. Like a template for your like scripture. Like their template was like the American flag. Um <laughs> And it'll be like a sermon series about like the four F's of freedom. And they'll be talking about freedom in Christ, but it's obviously like trying to relate it to like the freedom that we have in this country. Uh, Um, I've been in church services where like they'll play like on July 4th, they'll play like, uh, like, like videos of like fireworks and have Marines like marching up and down um, with American flags and everybody will be like clapping and like standing up and like do the pledge of allegiance um, or things like that. Um, I don't know. For me (laughs) personally, I feel like some of those things are a little much. Um, I think that a lot of times as American Christians, something that's really, really hard for us. And I'll admit that for me, it's really hard too, because I was born in America, have only ever lived in America. But something that's really hard for us is to recognize that there are Christians all over the world. And there are Christians that live in (laughs) countries that we think of as enemies. There are Christians that live in countries that are oppressed. There are Christians in other countries that look as a, at America as a country that has oppressed them or hurt them. And so we have to be really, really careful, I think. Um, and so I, something, this is a really personal thing is I just try to be thoughtful of that. And I'm not always thoughtful of that, but I try to be very careful of um, thinking of America as number one in my mind and thinking of America as God's favorite um, <laughs> and thinking of America as like, Hey, you know, if, if it were up to God, everybody would look like us. And I, I'm just really, really careful with that. And so that's something that I guess I would say, which is an annoying way to answer your question, but like that I will admit I'm uncomfortable with when I see that done at churches. Yeah, some, no, that, that makes sense. Some of the most uncomfortable I've ever been in a church service was, um, it was around Memorial Day, Veterans Day, you know, one of the holidays like that. And they sang the song and played the song like the music and the lyrics of every branch of the military during the during the corporate worship music time of singing together hmm. and it was so uncomfortable but and why 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 was it uncomfortable because yes. because the same the same reason that Paul just brought up man that 
the kingdom is global. It's not just here right. in America. It's there are like, it would be so weird for other brothers and sisters in Christ who are not American to be singing that in a church service. And when you're in a church service, it's, it's a global service, right? Like it should, I should be able to take whatever it is and plug it in somewhere and the same gospel, the same scripture is, is still being taught. The songs we're singing are rooted in scripture and are gospel centered. And we're able to sing those. I'm not trying to sing military songs. It's not gospel centered music. It's not gospel centered worship. So why would I sing that? That's weird. Go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, no, because so for me, well, let me, let me preface with, cause I, cause I know Matt pretty well and I'll, I'll speak for both of us here without asking you for first, speak first, Matt. We like, I'm not saying anything bad about the military and I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with those songs at all. It's just weird when you have one hour dedicated to, Hey, we're about to worship God together and follow Christ together. And we're going to take up 15 minutes of this to sing about our military. It just feels very, very disconnected from what a worship time yes looks like in community of Christians, very, very disconnected from the Bible and from the kingdom to just take a few minutes to sing about your specific country's military. And I'll say that for anyone, because again, I'm not, I'm not bashing the military. I'm not even trying to bash America or anything. I'm saying if I were in Mexico and they sang a Mexican military song during their worship service, that would be weird. Okay. So let me, let me get on a soapbox real quick. The fact that, like that you felt the need to clarify that you're not disrespecting the military is so ludicrous. That's and the problem. That is problematic. If I say something about, Hey, I think it's weird to sing uh, like the national anthem or, you know, God bless America or any kind of American or military song in a church service. I, that doesn't mean squat about how I feel about America or how I feel about the military. I can absolutely love the military and not want to sing their anthems during worship. That's weird. That's so problematic. And I hate <laughs> that. It, go ahead, Chandler. No, I just it's because it has to go back to that allegiance thing. It yes. feels weird to sit in the same seats where we worship our savior and in, in the same seats. Also seeing songs about the military, but like, you know what people would respond to you with. And I've heard this within the past like month or so to the, to different things. People would say like, well, what? Like, I can't love Jesus and love America. And to what you said, Paul is like about the global thing, which I obviously I agree with you, but people would say, yes, but you are in the United States of America and sitting in a church that is in the United States of America. So you should not have an issue with that. People say that. But no, that's crazy, bro. There are people there are people from those other countries. Okay, I'll give a super, super specific example. I got in an argument in college um, with a classmate about this um, for a really, really long time. Is so so someone in one of my classes, I won't use names or anything, someone in one of my classes was celebrating when we when we bombed Japan with the two atomic bombs um, to end World War II. And they were talking about that and talking about what a great thing that was and how many American lives it saved and how it's what God wanted because it saved so many lives. That was what somebody told me. And I said, man, I'm not even going to get into what I think about atomic bombs or about that war or how it could have played out, whatever. Forget everything you think about that. Let's think about as a Christian, as a Christian, think for a second that there are Christians in Japan who you are telling them, wow, God wanted me to hit you with an atomic bomb because um, because our politicians 
um, were arguing with your politicians and we were in a war over that. Like that is very, very weird because in that moment, what you were saying is God likes America more than Japan or God likes American Christians more, cares about American Christian lives more than Japanese lives. It's just like, I just remember t- talking about, just take the the thought about military warrior country out for a second. It's just very, very weird um, to just put like that God, God, I remember telling them like, God does not love America more than he loves Japan. I don't know. It's just a weird, very, very weird thing. And, and again, it's kind of what you're saying, what people will say. So what they responded with was, oh, so are you, would the alternative been you wish America lost? Are you not happy that America won? <laughs> Do you wish that Hitler won? Was that the best case scenario? Like it gets very, very frustrating, but. Yeah, that's an extremely frustrating conversation to have. And sometimes it just ends up being circles and circles. And if someone like isn't willing to at least be open-minded about hearing a different perspective, it's it's pointless. And I'll say the the like to what Chandler said earlier too about, well, you're in America, you know, you're in the United States and you're at a church, like you better support our troops and stuff. And it's just weird. Like, do you need an American flag in your sanctuary to remember that you're in the United States? Right. Like, you can love your country and where you live, which, by the way, you had no say in where you were born and where you live as far as if you're born into this country. So, like, (laughs) you're lucky that you got born here. I'm lucky that I was born here. (laughs) Like, that's that's a whole nother topic. But you don't need an American flag to understand that you live and be reminded that you live in what you might think is the greatest country ever. And I might think it's the greatest country. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't really matter. You don't need a flag there in your sanctuary to remind you that. But what what about on July 4th? What about on July 4th when it lands on a Sunday? Is it always on a Sunday? I feel like it is because of what I'm about to say. I feel like it's always on a Sunday because I always see photos of people with a giant American flag hanging behind them. And that's like the photo booth for the weekend. And then the the captions are always like faith, family, freedom. Oh, oh my goodness. The three Fs of 4th of July right there. So can I have a flag on the 4th at least? Or can – can can kids uh should kids say the pledge of allegiance every day at VBS before they See, start? That doesn't no. make sense. That no, that that's like the clearest to me is you should not pledge of allegiance for a vacation Bible school. Right. Like I if like we should be able to agree that you're saying three pledges, right? The uh, pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, right? And then you're pledging allegiance to the Bible. Then you're pledging allegiance to the Christian flag. And don't forget about the Texas flag. Which which allegiance are you having here? Like, who are yeah. you allegiant to? Your country, yeah. the Bible, the Christian flag, the, your state. Like, well, why can't why can't I do both? That's so hang on. So so yes. So I I feel like the better question to ask, which I had a, a professor ask us this one time, was was but. So instead of why can't you do both? Okay, but why are you choosing to do that? Like right now is basically what he asked. So mm-hmm. so he yes. was the one who kind of planted the idea in my mind of like you're taking up worship time. So I remember him saying like, man, we're only meeting for one hour out of our week as a group of Christians to worship God right now. If you want to pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and you love the United States, I don't have anything wrong with that as long as Christ is first. But why are you taking time out of your worship service that is dedicated to the Lord to take time to say, by the way, Hey, hey, President of the United States of America, I pledge my allegiance to you. Next time you disagree with a country, with a country, you know, I, I take, I believe God loves America the most. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, it, it's very, it's really that simple to me, to be honest. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Okay, so we would probably say um, that, hey, we probably shouldn't uh, sing political or just like songs about the United States of America in the worship setting. So let me like kind of transition us a little bit. And so let me ask like, throw, throw out a couple of other ideas. So let's say like, what do you think about like a greeter uh, who's like welcoming people in the building who has like, who's like wearing an American flag t-shirt. What about that? Like, are we like, okay with that? What do you think? Hey everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into part one of this conversation. Be sure to check out the second half on our next episode. If you enjoyed today's topic and conversation, we would love it if you would consider sharing it with a friend. As always, we hope that you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Life in Ministry podcast.